0: A playlist original.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster. My name is Gaius Bowling, and this week I'm only joined <laughs> with one person. Uh, <laughs> Hi,
0: it's Brittany. I made it to the podcast today. Unlike our uh,
1: third, um, our third is we think sleeping. Uh, we had like a we did a bonus episode this week on Monday. We were going to do two yesterday, but I was coming off of a big weekend. Everyone was kind of tired, um, so we agreed to do it today. And then Owen took a cat nap that has turned into a deep sleep. So. <laughs> But that's the deal. Like, we don't, you know, there's three of us. So that's that's showbiz, babe. That's what happens. <laughs> so the show must go on, even with two of us. Um, but, um, you know, he'll be here in spirit and we'll occasionally bring him up, you know, just to be funny. To um, so be fair, though, apparently he did try to prep because we have some sex in the city talk later. And he was, he asked his girlfriend some stuff about it so he'd be ready. So he had every intention of being here. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, we got other jobs and that's to get our sleep. yeah
0: sleep is very important it's okay no
1: harm no foul he's Uh, on
0: the bonus episode though so tune in for that
1: yeah he is on that so you don't really like lose him you only lose him here um but uh yeah you'll you'll hear his beautiful voice again soon um so Brittany, what did you do this weekend check out anything
0: i mean i think you had a bigger weekend than i did i think you should go and talk about your your big fun weekend in vegas
1: so yeah, I got um it was kind of a last minute thing with Joe Blow. I was asked on first of all, I was asked on Tuesday if I would be willing to travel because I guess there's certain people on the team that are like still afraid to travel because of COVID and stuff. So, and I was like, yeah, sure, I would love to travel. And they were like, okay. So then they came back the next day. They're like, hey, this is completely unrelated to what we talked about on Tuesday. But um there's this thing in Vegas uh at the win for um the Yellowstone prequel series that's coming out called 1883. They're doing a big, like, red carpet, like, premiere event for them. They're going to screen the first few episodes. Do you want to go? Everything's paid for. We'll take care of the room, or they're taking care of the room. All the uh, you're gonna have a per diem, like, it's a free weekend in Vegas. Do you want to go? And I was like, sure, I'll go. But a lot, a lot of these things like come together very last minute, so I didn't really get my um, final travel arrangements until the day before and it was late the day before um to the point where i was like are we sure we're doing this i don't know if i'm gonna go um but uh-huh. they all came together and it was a really cool fun weekend they um it's the first thing that they've done kind of uh with a hollywood premiere and stuff in vegas and since everything shut down so they were happy to invite um the press back and of course the talent back to um premiere something like this um so i have to be real i haven't watched yellowstone um before um i know (laughs) i haven't either i know it's hugely popular my mom loves it um i know i know about from writing about it for the website that its ratings have gone up with each season so that's a and like in a big way so i guess that's a good sign that the show is really good um the prequel is set um as the title says in 1883 and it follows the the early like kind of life of like the Dutton family which is on the original show um and on the show has Tim McGraw and Faith Hill Tim McGraw Faith Hill Sam Elliott the man the myth the legend oh yeah that's voice in Hollywood um <laughs> well, other than Morgan Freeman I guess um <laughs> so they did this like big kind of thing like uh kind of unveiling of the show and there was like a lot of press stuff on Friday we had like a big dinner to kind of get to know each other which is really cool so i got a lot of connections through that and uh didn't waste any time just throwing our podcast out there because you know it's all about you know who you know and promotions and all that stuff um yeah. and it was cool though because like the press people were all really cool they gave a lot of advice on this is my first red carpet i've never done one before and i was like well how do you what do you do how do you kind of go about doing it and she's like most press people are polite when you're on the line They'll let you get in your space. But if it's a really famous person, sometimes they'll cheat their way in, like throw in like a little shoulder to block. Throw some it. bows at you? <laughs> to make sure that they get in, like to get the questions in. But yeah, for the most part, everyone was really cool and they um, all very supportive. And um, once we got to the actual like red carpet thing, it's a little nerve wracking because there's like so much going on. And then there's a lot of uh, a lot of pivoting going on too, where they're like, okay like you're standing here we have you here and then a girl came up to me she's like no 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 no! like people supposed to be there like let's put you here and then they're like Mm -hmm. no 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 no! we're sorry um like extra is gonna be here so let's move you down here and I was like all right well you know I'm just happy to be here just like throw me wherever you want to throw me (laughs) um so like once we got situated with our spots there's like a lot of waiting and I didn't know how this was with red carpets but a lot of people that work the event they have friends that they invite and they kind of get to walk the carpet and take pictures before the celebrities get there because, like, there's no one on the carpet and they get to pretend like, you know, they're the talent for a little bit. So, there was all these friends of employees who were taking, like, all the girls were like throwing their hair back and, like, you know, doing the standard, like, red carpet pose with their boyfriend. Some of the boyfriends looked like they wanted to be there, others did not. <laughs> Clearly, they were just there, just their girlfriends made them go. Um, but once it got started it was um really cool like they they try to make it really organized where they start with like more supporting people first like supporting cast like you may, you may not know who they are we have like um a printout with their pictures and names even though i did watch the first two episodes uh that they sent me um in my room actually um i still they're all glammed up and they don't look like they do in the show because like they're playing right. like cowboys and there's like immigrants on the show too. And they're all basically rolling around the dirt on the show. So they definitely don't look like Hollywood ready. And so I was like, who is this? So we were all, like all of us were like looking through the paper. Unless it wasn't Sam Elliott, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill. <laughs> I had to look at the paper to kind of see who everyone I mean, was.
0: I saw, I saw a clip online and it, even Tim McGraw didn't, because he wasn't wearing his cowboy hat. So he didn't look, he didn't even look recognizable really.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, so it was kind of cool. Like, I, I want to say this, though. There was a situation. We all had to get, like, rapid COVID tested in order to go. Um, when I was in line, I was talking to another press person, and they were like, oh, like, have you been here before? Like, have you done a red carpet before? I was like, no, it's my first time. Like, do you have any advice? Like, all this other stuff. There's someone kind of behind me listening, and, and he was like, oh, you'll do fine. And I was like, oh, thank you. And then I was, like, turned back to talk to who I was talking to. Fast forward to the red carpet. That guy that was in line with me was this guy named Eric uh, Nelson, who's on the show. He's like one of the main characters on the show. So when he got to me and I was talking to him, I like, went through all my spiel. At the end of it, he was like, I don't know if you remember, but I was in your COVID line and you said that like, this was your first like red carpet. I just want to say that you're doing a really good job. And I thought that was cool that you even took the time to like say and do that. That's Um,
0: awesome. You had, like, a really
1: good celebrity moment, which, like, doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen all the time. Um, So, like, the the red carpet thing was cool. Like, you know, once, like, really important people started to come, like, Billy Bob Thornton and Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, it became harder to keep the line organized. So, like, you would hope you were going to get a question with them, but then they had, like, an official, like, 1883 interview girl there, and they needed to talk to them first and of course, like extras, like I got priority. priority. If it was like on TV, they got priority. So they were like shuffling them around and all that stuff. So I didn't get to talk to Tim McGraw or Faith Hill until the next day when we did the roundtable press thing. Um, so it was cool. I got to talk to him at all. Um, but yeah, I, will say, that's awesome. I will say that Faith Hill, even though she couldn't get to all of us on the line, she was like, oh, is there any way we can? And then they were like, no, we got to get you seated for the screening and all that stuff. And she was like, "Oh shoot!" Like she's like, "I really." She like, "Are you sure?" And she was really trying to go back to see if she can give everyone the time that they wanted. But they're like, mm-hmm. "No, no, we got to get you in." And she did the same thing during the roundtable. Uh, she was like, "Did everyone get a chance to like get a question?" And she's like, "Because like I want to make sure everyone gets a chance." And you could tell her people were like, "Well, yeah, well we got to keep it moving." And she's like, "No, it's not cool." <laughs> so I she seems
0: that- like a really down to earth. They both seem pretty down
1: to earth. Like. They both, really they both seemed like they, they were. I, I it cool. Like I asked him, um, you know, since they collaborated in music, you know, of course, before, um, they've never really done this before. And I was wondering if the process was any different. And he was just saying that he doesn't think he could have done the show with anyone else. Like, like, they've been asked to do things before. Like, I guess, like, I didn't even know this. Faith Hill's done two movies. I didn't know this. Um, but he said they've been asked to do things all the time. And like, they always like, it's not the right project. She said the same thing. Like, when I talked to her about, like, I want to know who got approached first, if they got approached together, or if he got approached first. And she was like, no, it was him, because he already had a relationship with uh, Taylor Sheridan, who created it. And and then Tim was like, hey, he kind of wants you for this. And then she said she was embarrassed, because she was like, well, can I read it first? And she was like, wait, why did I say that? It's He, he created Yellowstone. He directed, like, Wind River. He's, like, a really talented, like, why would I ask, like, who oh, can I read it first? Um, mm-hmm. but she, you know, she said that it was like the, the roles are very emotionally taxing and she's just happy that she did get to do it with him because, uh, you know, I, it, it made it a lot easier for her to, to go to these places and not feel insecure about going to those places, which I thought was kind of interesting to hear. Um, but yeah, yeah no, it was a fun, it was a fun weekend. It was a mix of work and play and I had to make sure yeah, that-
0: I mean. i i would have loved to go with you i but i had a work thing as well but um yeah it looked like a lot of
1: fun yeah i loved it it was a good time and i convinced one friend from la to come and he actually flew out which made it a lot easier the thing is like i could have hung out with press people that whole weekend and would have been fine but it did it was nice to have someone there so i wasn't like Mm -hmm. just hanging out in my room all day when i wasn't working um but yeah it was a fun experience and i can't wait to do it again it was did you like, win any
0: money? Did you gamble at
1: all? Uh, so I played a slot machine, won $200, oh. then went another slot machine. I put in a 20 and won 150. And then I got a little tipsy and then lost that 150. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I kept the 200 that I got. So it's not much, but 200 I didn't have.
0: Hey, you did Vegas right. I'm right.
1: Sounds my, like. did my best.
0: <laughs> so what about you? What did you do? Um, so I worked uh in well I didn't really work in event I had to I had to do um something similar to what you did but it was on the other side of it. Um, I work in post production and I work in events and premieres. Mm-hmm. So I got a chance to actually participate in the event that of Tender Bar. That was premiering it at the Chinese Theater on Sunday, um, so I got to go down there and and do a little bit of work um, in prep, and it was really cool. I had never been to that theater before. I'm not an LA local. It's it was a dream of mine to go to that theater, and it was it was crazy because, you know, this area in front of the Chinese Theater is closed down while they're setting up for like the red carpet and everything and um me getting the opportunity to like sneak in past the security guard yeah (laughs) allowed but like sneak in past the security guard was so crazy people are outside taking pictures of it and I'm wearing sunglasses and a mask so people are like who's that person going through (laughs) yeah but it was really cool I got to preview the movie I've seen it a couple of times and uh, I'm really excited for everyone to get a chance to see it I think it's a story that It's a beautiful story. Uh, it's a true story uh, based on a memoir. So um, if you get a chance, you should definitely see it. It's really good. Ben Affleck's in it. George Clooney directed it. Um, there's a young boy in it. His name's Daniel Rieri, I think. Um, it's his first debut. So um, he's, in, he's incredible in it. He's like seven or eight. So um that was really cool to be able to get a chance to work on that
1: is the other guy uh ty sheridan is that who the ty
0: sheridan yeah
1: he really plays know.
0: like the older version of the little kid
1: okay yeah i only really know him from x the x-men movies i'm sure he's done other better yeah <laughs> i
0: actually got to go to like a event party like a, uh, maybe like a month or two ago And they were both there at this after party and they were like sitting on the couch next to each other and like hanging out. Like it was like, they were brothers and it was just like a cute moment. They were just like, they were just bros hanging out. This like eight year old. And then like, I think Ty Sheridan's like 25 or something. So it was nice. It looked like he was kind of taking him under his wing. And I know Hollywood's kind of
1: scary when you're that young. So it was really cute yeah um speaking of being that young there was a there's a little kid on the new on the 1883 and they had him walk the red carpet and like i mean i he was in his little like green green like (laughs) green and black pinstripe suit and it was adorable but you can tell that it was just like a little like his parents were behind him but it was like overwhelming and like the girl who was doing like the official 1883 like kind of press interviews for them like that was going to go like probably the most of the people in Vegas, she was very good, but she was, like, you know, one of those intense, like, extra, like, commentators, like, very in-your-face, and she was trying to get on his level, she, like, got down on her knees, and, like, like, was trying to interview him, and she was asking him questions, and he was just kind of, like, um, uh, I don't, and he would look at his parents, and, <laughs> like, so I was, like, you know, like, it made me think, because, like, this girl next to me, he was, like, oh, why would they let him do that, he's just so young, like, yeah he can be on it and like maybe stop for pictures but to have him like throw him out there to be like interviewed as himself might be a little different from when he's on set like acting you know um yeah well I thought it it seemed like a little overwhelming for him but I mean oh
0: I'm sure it is
1: um I was able to get some pictures of him and like he did he smiled and he was nice I I think he would rather do that than kind of be put on the spot and ask like questions by some like. big adults no. <laughs> yeah
0: Dan- daniel there was a q a after at the chinese theater and daniel was up there with you know next sitting next to ben affleck like can you imagine like that's so insane
1: um was JLo lo there she was ah, you're like <laughs> showing that support good for her
0: yeah she was i didn't go to the actual premiere but she was at the other premiere that I did go to at the DGA. And, and then she was also there last night. I saw some red carpet pictures, but I did not attend the actual premiere, it's, but if I had, I would have been just like those people that you were talking about going up down the red carpet before the celebrities. It's like your, <laughs> like, oh, I would have for sure done a hair flip. <laughs>
1: <air> flip. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, it's cool. Cause I do want to see this movie and like, I feel like Ben Affleck's kind of having this, like, second, I don't want to say second coming. I guess he's had a second coming already. It's like this new wave of his career, like, really good, it seems like. You know, yeah, my, he, I, I, he's I, I, nominated.
0: We'll talk about this later. But he did get nominated for, a, I think, a Golden Globe yeah. for a supporting actor for this role. So. But I like, mean, he he's a recovering alcoholic, and in the movie, he kind of plays, uh, he plays a guy who runs a bar, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he kind of dabbled in that last year when he did, like, the way back when he was uh, the basketball player, or a basketball coach who was, yeah. like, like, alcoholism, so it seemed like he's becoming more comfortable in his, like, skin as, like, you know, who he was and who he is now, just kind of, yeah, and cool. I think, and I think
0: time- he's friends with George Clooney, too, yeah. so that might have added some, uh, good qualities to the movie as well just being acted being directed by a friend of yours maybe would help
1: yeah I think it definitely helps um Mm -hmm. and I I also wonder too like when you're because Ben Affleck is a actor who also directs so I just wonder like kind of wonder what that collaborative process is like for two people who do both things like in their profession um but I'm sure Ben Affleck respects him as a actually I actually heard him uh, I was watching Extra and you we were interviewing him. And um basically he said that George Clooney is like almost like another actor on this. So that's how keen his uh directing was. Like he felt like his yeah. presence was kind of always there, basically. So. Yeah, he was very
0: involved in in the process of the directing and editing and everything. So
1: well, I am down, I am down for the Ben Affleck Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> me too everyone everyone deserves one. like I was down for the like when the John Wick movies were coming out and we had the the Keanu-sons and we started being in stuff <laughs> again like you know some certain people I think deserve like that shot and I think like in Affleck, his career goes in waves where it's like mm-hmm. oh like, we take him seriously like oh we don't really take him seriously and like oh he's directing now we take him seriously and it's like a kind of a you know it's a and then like I think his personal life kind of overshadows some of his acting stuff which is he made
0: a joke on the red carpet about j-lo well i guess not about j-lo someone was like oh you're with um you're with you know your girl jen and he's like yeah i think it's really important that jen sulky you know the the head of prime video comes to our my premiere
1: <laughs> <laughs> And then they're like oh that was cute he <laughs> like
0: dodged that question so hard <laughs>
1: uh i mean i wish that's funny that he would be like that i think it's funny that they like dodge questions like that but they clearly want to be seen together like they stacked mm-hmm. courtside court side of the basketball game recently and i think they were, i think they put them on the kiss cam too and i don't know if they like went for it i think they were kind of like ah, oh, whatever <laughs> no, we don't want to be seen like focus on the game like they should want to be seen <laughs> yeah they want, they want to be seen. seen even more now than they did when they first did this run through on their relationship <laughs>
0: right yeah
1: i agree because it's funny because they said like they were so like overwhelmed like that's why they didn't work out the first time because there was so much attention on them and they didn't like. Yeah. But now they were like maybe because they're older they're like okay like so throw, throw all the attention on us.
0: Yeah. Um. Another thing that I watched of yours this weekend was your interview with Isla Fisher. Speaking of hot couples, <laughs> and one of the longest running Hollywood couples. Yeah. She is married uh, to Borat.
1: <laughs> yeah, which Baron Cohen. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was she was sweet to talk to you. I only got like five minutes with her. Because that's the thing when you do these, like you're hoping for a long one. Uh, well, not all the time. So, so most of the time <laughs> most of the time you're hoping for a long one. Um, but she was really cool. Um, I I didn't get any specifics. They usually send stuff like, Hey, don't talk about this, don't talk about that. But I wanted to read other interviews with her before I did it. And what I found was that. Since she she was being interviewed for an animated movie called Back to the Outback. That's what I was talking to her about. And at first, I was going to ask her questions about, because she has kids, so I was going to ask her stuff about that within the movie. But then I read an art, uh, interview where she talks about she likes to keep her kids pretty private. Um, and so I kind of pivoted off of that a little bit. I did kind of, since it is an animated movie that takes place in Australia, and she has such close ties there and she's living there now. She moved her family there. Just she didn't want to raise her kids in LA. Um I basically wanted to know I asked her like is how important it is to you to have a movie that has like Australia in its DNA and what would that be like to share it with your family. I didn't say your kids. I said <laughs> family. And she responded to that well. And she was just like she was super adorable. Like they sent me um her character as a stuffed animal of her character uh, she plays Maddie the Snake, and they sent that to me. And I had that with me. I showed her, I was like, Oh, I have like a friend here, like, do you want to see? And uh, and she that was, was really cute. I, she was like, I don't even have that. <laughs> like, why don't I have that? And, uh, <laughs> but no, she was just really nice. And the only someone messaged me, they're like, Why didn't you ask her about Rain Crashers? I felt inappropriate about asking about the sequel only because it was an interview during a movie. About a
0: kids' movie. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: If, if we were rocking an interview for a PG 13, even I probably would have asked her. Um, and like I said, they didn't tell me I couldn't do it. I just thought it would have been in poor taste if I did.
0: I think you did a really good job. It sounds like you really did your research. And I think that's what makes you a good interviewer is that you do your research on them and you come in like fully prepared knowing what you can and can't talk about. Um, not just what they want you to talk about or not want you to talk about, but in past interviews, like you said, where she keeps her kids private. Right. Even though she didn't tell you that kids were off limits, you knew that boundary. So I think that's really awesome that you did that.
1: Yeah. And um, and you know she was, you know, sometimes these things, I mean, most of them are always pretty interested even though I know they've been doing them all day. And like it's like I who knows what number I am once they get to me. Um, but she seemed pretty engaging like the entire time. She did.
0: I yeah, she seemed really engaging with yeah. your interview. She really was, lively.
1: Yeah, she was sweet. Like I, I I people were asking me like, you know what was it was like? and like people that watched it, like, she's as sweet as you probably? think she is. And uh, and I think she might be just naturally hilarious too. like I mean, like, I I, I kind of felt that a little bit while talking to her. And I also thought, I thought it was cool that she was honest about, you know, I was asking her like, since it was close to Australia, like is that what made you want to do it? And she said that she did this during kind of like the start of like the pandemic, so during lockdown. So she was homesick and she really wanted to do something that was kind of close to her heart and like where she, you know, grew up there. She was like, since she was six years old, that's where she had lived, you know, growing up. Um, so it was important for her to do it. And and I think like, you know, playing into that, just reading that other interview where she talked about wanting to get out of LA, she was like, you know, I kind of like, we talked about that with her husband. Like, I don't want to raise our kids here. I mean, a lot of people feel that way. About. a lot of
0: people felt that way after covid
1: yeah and you know i think that you know it's not like she's still gonna be getting work she just doesn't want to like kind of have home base here and i respect i respect that you and know?
0: those animated movies pay really well and you don't really have to do a whole lot of moving around for it yep. so
1: and sometimes you don't even have to leave your house sometimes that's what i mean she can just chill at home like, i've heard like certain people who've said like they've come and like built like a mini little studio in their home so they can just record. Will
0: Arnett has, I mean, he does a lot of voice acting, so he's he has a full studio in his home.
1: Yeah, uh, that's like, like the people that are on The Simpsons, like they're rich, and no one really knows what they look like or who they are. They can run <laughs> around like with, like they don't know, yeah, and they're like <laughs> they can just
0: run around naked for all yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, <I>
1: know right? <laughs> and they're some of the highest, pay, highest paid people working in the business, because so like, and right. like, like I think I because I've seen her a lot in other interviews I think I can point out the girl who does Bart's voice and she does other voices on the show or I should say woman but like there's like I recognize I wouldn't recognize her maybe but the rest of them oh and then I guess Harry Shearer because he does the voice of Mr. Burns and he's yeah I, so, um but yeah the rest of them like at, doing voiceover work seems like a sweet job like, you know I, I interviewed Nick Kroll one time and with like he did for had his family too and like they all kind of have that same react response. Like it's just like it's fun work, and they love doing voiceovers and stuff. But it's just easy when it's like that's the, these are the roles you take when you don't want to risk going on set during the during the heart of the pandemic, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Which is kind of cool, um, but yeah, that was fun. And then like combined with that experience, kind of with the experience of doing like the premiere and then uh, interviewing her, it just, it's just been a, it's been a good couple of weeks with this stuff and like I feel like the more I do it um I think the more I do it the more I want to do it in person but I know that it's it's hard like between the pandemic and I think celebrities even if they don't even care about that anymore they're just like I don't want to go to like a studio and sit there for like several hours and do this in person I rather just have a hair and makeup squad come to my house and our hotel room yeah um, yeah I mean
0: Tender Bar I, I've I've coordinated a lot of premieres within the past few months for Amazon but um Tender Bar was the first one in person that I did so um I'm hoping there's more I'm hoping that there's more in person but yeah you're right a lot of people don't want to attend these things yeah <laughs> they want to stay home
1: They want to stay home <laughs> yeah like yeah i can film on that um uh it was funny because the yellowstone people that they're still like they're still shooting and like everyone that i talked to you was just like it's so surreal being in las vegas at this like lavish like red carpet thing and they're like the day before we were in montana like in our own little bubble shooting this show still and like it just feels weird to just be like for the girls like in the dress and then like the guys like getting all suited up they're like it just doesn't feel normal right now. It just feels like I should still be in my cowboy hat and like someone mm-hmm. throwing mud on me. <laughs> like, you where's know, the mud? <laughs> uh, yeah. But I'm sure they were happy to like kind of be able to get. I I will say it was the night. So everything was outside. It was 38 degrees in Vegas during this, and every single girl. I felt so bad because uh, they all looked amazing, but they were cold. Like there was one. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, this one girl named Graciela, uh, who plays, uh, Naomi on the show, by the time she got to me, I, she was just like, Ugh! I was like, oh God, what's wrong? She's like, it's not you. She's like, it is not you at all. She's like, I am just so cold. Just really cold. And, yeah. And she's like, all right, let's, and she like brushed it off. She's like, all right, let's go. Let's go. She's like, I'm ready. I'm ready for you. Uh, but yeah, I get, it was, it was bone chillingly cold in Vegas. this weekend. It was not the typical weekend you would imagine when you <laughs> go to it. Vegas because it's like, no, you know, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> um so what else um should we jump into?
0: So speaking of Tender Bar and Amazon, um I know a big weekend in the box office is coming up, but being the Ricardos is also coming out, um, which I have gotten the chance to watch. And it was good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Whenever, it wasn't
0: like, my favorite Aaron Sorkin movie. Extend
1: it, like, yeah, usually- it was
0: good. It wasn't my favorite Aaron Sorkin movie, but it is getting a lot of nominations. And it's, um, I think it's going to be nominated a lot for a bunch of awards this year, or I guess next year, nominated this year for next year. um, And yeah, that one's coming out on Friday as well. So everyone go see that one.
1: Yeah, I wanted to pull up, because this guy... Uh, reviewed it i wanted to read what he said about nicole Kidman really quick because like she's getting i think more so than harvey or bardem she's getting a lot of the awards attention for this and a lot of mm-hmm. people are saying i've read reviews that are like she totally disappears into the role and i've read this one which i kind of trust a little bit and this is just me basing it on uh the trailer but i wanted to let me see hold on uh here it is it says that um i've uh i've so I'm on the fence about Nicole Kidman. She does an excellent vocal impersonation, and there are times, especially when the camera doesn't opt for a close-up, when she pulls it off. But the more uh, Sorkin zooms in, the more apparent it becomes that this is not Lucille Ball, and this is not the Lucy that I know too well, because this guy's a big I love Lucy fan. And they kind of took him out of it a little bit. Um, she, like, just from the trailers I've seen, she doesn't look like her. I mean, I guess there's a certain. I mean, she might. I
0: mean, I think there's. It gets to a certain extent. Well, it's like, I mean, Jennifer Hudson doesn't look like Aretha Franklin either, right? And that's not the main purpose of the movie. And I think if people harp on the way it looks too much, it becomes more of a shallow point of view. Right. Um, I don't think that that is, especially from a film critic perspective. I don't think that you should focus on the look of how people look in the mood i mean that's just it's more about the character and if they portray the person's personality and their dialect and everything else and it's not just about their face looking exactly because you, if you want someone that looks like lucille ball
1: you're gonna have to get her daughter in there or something right. you know well i know a lot of people jokingly get talked about like deborah messing right because they, they they have like similar look a similar-ish look and then like deborah messing of course i think kind of like her comedic style She clearly admires Lucille Ball, and like you know, a lot of people have talked about that. I don't think that would have been a yeah. Not to take anything away from Deborah Messing, but the
0: people don't get to do the casting, so unfortunately, that didn't work out.
1: And I I agree (laughs) with you. So, like you know, like you know, Angela Bassett didn't look like Tina Turner, and you know, she didn't like what stuff got to do with it. She embodied her presence and her essence and all that. Um, I would even say that Jennifer Lopez didn't look one hundred percent like Selena either Um, it's all it's more about the kind of the work they put into like their energy almost um and I would say in both of those movies I just mentioned that those two actresses actually captured their performance energy perfectly they just didn't totally Mm -hmm. 100% look like them I think if you're like a this guy clearly is a big I love Lucy fan I I can see maybe why he'd be like well he didn't want to see Nicole Kidman he wanted to see Lucille Ball I guess right Wanted her to like disappear mm-hmm. into the role, um, and he actually said he said there were moments where she did, but he's like sometimes Sorkin just gets too close, and it's like all right now I know it's the Cole And, right? Um, you know we get we we can talk we're gonna talk about this uh, in a bit with the nominations and stuff like uh, she they're listing her as like a front runner one of them, but that race is clearly tight. Like it's, it seems like it's coming down to people like her and then Krista Stewart for Spencer. Lady Gaga is also getting a lot for like House of Gucci, and then there's all these like wild cards too. There's like Olivia Coleman in The Lost Star, which is like a indie film that's getting a lot of attention. Um,
0: Elena Heim,
1: Elena Heim, like you know, yeah, if she can kind of licorice sneak- pizza, yeah, if she could sneak in because like they're selling licorice pizza as like a, a comedy, like dramedy kind of thing, if she could sneak in. That would be kind of an upset and might knock certain people out. Same thing with uh, Rachel uh, Zegler, who's in West Side Story. Like, she's getting a lot of attention and she could be a wild card too. Um, it'll just be interesting because, like, you know, Nicole Kim has been in this position before where she's been the front runner. She, I I remember the year she got nominated for Moulin Rouge, but that's a great performance from her. But it was also the same year that Halle Berry was rocking Monsters Ball. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't know if you remember, I like you have to look this up on YouTube one time, but... Um, Halliday, when Halle Berry
0: I, won? I used Berry, to watch that over and over again. Halle Berry remember won, that.
1: They cut to Nicole Kidman, and I don't know if she was just like focused on her speech, but there's some was a minor stank I, I think she felt like she was going to win. Um, there wasn't like any like, oh, I'm so happy for her. And you know what? This That part of her personality has changed a lot in recent years. Like Nicole Kidman seems very much more like loose and just happy to be doing like the work you know and like she, she loves all the opportunities that she's gotten like with some of her other like she's one of those people who's producing her own stuff um and you know she followed that same motif like her and Reese Witherspoon when they worked on Big Little Lies together like they agreed like if the only way to generate these roles for us is that we have to be the ones in charge like we have to be the ones that are like you know writing the checks and doing all this stuff like that's how it is and like that it's yeah. kind of gone down that path in the last few years which has kind of been nice to see you know that she has like all these some kind of layers like as an actress as a businesswoman that the things that she wants to accomplish with her career
0: I think that and she also did um bewitched too and this movie did remind me a little bit of bewitched where it had that little bit of like Nicole Kidman being like a silly goofy uh character but it was like not her Do i mean it was the way she was being acted right um the way she was portraying these other people um i mean i think she killed it i think javier bardem also killed it um it's a really good movie jk simmons is in it he's great yeah.
1: um he a critics choice nomination uh too oh my god you know who else did though we'll talk about this jared leto got one too Yeah, whatever.
0: Um, But I wanted to say that, I mean, big, big directors, we kind of talked about this last week, like Aaron Sorkin. Mm -hmm. Obviously, his body of work is going to be nominated. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson is always going to be nominated. Like Steven Spielberg is always going to be nominated for his body of work. It's like, it it doesn't really matter what they do as long as they do something. And then it'll show up in the in the award season.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, like, you know, they want... I mean, this happens to be a year too two where all these guys... Some of it because these movies are already planned to come out this year and others because their movies got pushed from last year because of the pandemic. Now we have... Um, this is really a, a race this year where, like, it's a lot of big-name directors going for, you know, with Best Picture and Best Director. Um, there are some... A much- lot of
0: white guys. A lot of old white men fighting each of- other for these
1: awards. <laughs> a lot of old white men, which is... <laughs> Typically, how these things go unfortunately um my thing is like if the work's good like nominate the work i'm all for that um i you know i haven't seen like licorice pizza yet and i'm sure i have gone on twitter and there's certain people that feel certain ways about it like i i I, there's a guy on twitter that like rips it apart um i've seen some
0: pretty bad reviews about it from women
1: yeah um there yeah
0: he was one of those people that pointed that
1: out and he kind of was like if you kind of ignore that, then you're a part of the problem. I was like, oh, is it that? Like, um, serious? But I, I-, think it's,
0: I think it's Gen X that isn't liking this movie because I'm seeing a lot of stuff on TikTok about um, dissecting this movie apart and it's a lot of people that I see dissecting licorice pizza apart yeah. are the younger generation that are like young filmmakers seeing these movies for the first time and they're seeing this movie and they're like, this is a little questionable some of the material that's in here. But I would like to see it and give it a chance.
1: No, I do too. Like you know, I like he is. uh, He's a great director. I mean, I like I'm. I can't think of any one of his movies I haven't liked. Like Magnolia is one of my favorite movies, and uh, and so is Boogie Nights. Like he's a. I think we mentioned this before. He's like one of those like marquee directors where a lot of people will see his name above a movie and they're like, okay, I want to go see that. You know, and he also is one of those people that takes his time in between projects he's not cranking them out like some sort of other people um so Mm -hmm. that kind of helps um building anticipation for his whatever project he's working on next Um, yeah
0: and his usage of um philip seymour hoffman's son in this movie is significant just because he was close with him and i think that's a pretty powerful move um i'm looking forward to seeing his acting abilities yeah I know he's young, so he's got a lot of potential, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, a lot to live up to you, too. I mean, that was a a huge, I mean, probably one of the best character actors in the business at the time, right? Like, he, like, he uh, you know, I look at some of Philip Seymour Hoffman's stuff, and I I almost kind of forget that he's not with us anymore, because, like, there's, like, he was in so many movies during a specific period of time where he just was cranking them out, and it was, like, great performers after great performers. After I great. mean,
0: Along Came Polly will always be one of my
1: favorite <laughs> movies with him.
0: Oh, yeah, he was in that, yeah. Oh, my uh, gosh, he is so funny in it.
1: And That was the cool
0: thing, too, is that
1: he, okay, he was this, like, kind of, like, prestige actor, too. Like, I wanted to, like, like he could be in, like, Doubt or Capote. And then he can also be in Along Came Polly. He was in Mission Impossible 3. And he
0: acted the shit out of that movie. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I think, like, he certainly had a sense of humor, too. So that was, that's good to hear, too, as well. Yeah. Um, You know, bringing up the we get closer to the award stuff. um, We brought up West Side Story um, when the early reviews came out. And, you know, thankfully, like those early reviews still stood right. It still has like a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Reviews are great. Um, It opened over the weekend. And even though it opened at number one, it only grossed $10.6 million, which I think anyone ready to write that headline was like, I didn't do, I didn't write that headline like that because I feel bad being like Spielberg bombs. I didn't want to write it like that. But a lot of people did. Like they went in for the juggler with it. Um,
0: I mean, he did.
1: Of, he did bomb, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I there's a, here's some things I didn't know about the movie before I saw the box office when we were getting the numbers. Um, it's cost over a hundred million dollars to make. That's all production, I think, because there's no big name stars in it. So they didn't have to pay like a lot, of uh, the stars a lot of money. So this was just like Spielberg, you know,
0: yeah. And that and that again just shows a white man's power in this world is that he can he can rack up a bill for a hundred million dollars and still only make ten million and you know what he's still going to go on and make movies after this people are still going to give him a hundred million dollars again.
1: Yeah, I I agree and yeah you because know, like yo know, that's a good thing to kind of point out because and I guess because he's like a well 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 established he's one of the best directors in the business right. They can afford to, like, if they have a bomb, a studio's not going to be like, oh, we're not going to give this to you again. If you're an up-and-coming director, let's say you have one hit, and it was a huge hit, right? And then you come out with your second movie, and it totally bombs, it's hard for you to get that amount, that amount of money again for your third. Even yeah. though you gave, like, the studio, like, a $200 million hit your first time. It, it, yeah. it, for them it's not like oh like maybe that second time maybe you, let's see what didn't work out like we'll try this again it's like no i can think of. i'm trying to think of a lot of first time directors it's not always necessarily about the money either but sometimes it's like like i'm this is not like the best example but like richard kelly who directed donnie darko a lot of people love that movie his second movie didn't live up to that and then he kind of got mm-hmm. they kind of like pushed him aside um and it's yeah, I
0: think we see that a lot in Hollywood, and I I think we don't know any names off the top of our head right now because of that reason, where they had one successful movie and then we don't hear about them ever again. Right. Um, but like someone like Spielberg, uh, I mean, he just he's going to keep making movies, and he could have a, he could have another bomb.
1: Right.
0: But um, I mean, Adam Sandler has bombed many movies, and
1: Still he's music. still
0: out here making movies it's yeah. like
1: he did He, so he crazy. reach around on that because he stopped releasing he doesn't
0: necessarily direct anymore
1: yeah and he stopped like going the theatrical route and like got into that big Netflix deal and his movies work there like they're highly successful there like you know we've talked about before how streamers don't want to like give their numbers away but Netflix when they want to brag they will brag about how well the Adam Sandler movies do on their platform um yeah Uh, But yeah, it's it's, like, I kind of want to break down some of the main reasons why certain people are saying that West Side Story didn't open well. And I'll start with like, the first obvious one is, it's catered to an older audience, right? And this has been a big Mm -hmm. deal all year with like, older skewing movies aren't doing that well at the box office. Because like, older people are still leery about going to the movies during the pandemic. They just aren't. Like a, a lot of movies that are skewing younger are opening well and making a lot of money. Like you can look at Free Guy, you can look at uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, you can look at uh, even Halloween Kills. Like all these like, movies that were aimed at younger people are doing fine because like a younger audience is like, hey, I'm cool with going, like give us more movies. Um, mm-hmm. House of Gucci kind of like bucked that trend, but I think that was, that had a lot to do with, I give a lot of that credit to Lady Gaga who has a fan base that's huge. And it opened, yeah. like, that was the, they, like I said, that was the best, like, movie that was aimed, like, at adults, like, an opening in two years. Um, that's how bad it's been for adult skewing movies at the box office. So that was one and of the reasons. It
0: uh-huh. might have to do with, like, the fact that the adults now are our generation. Right. We're the adults now. And we... I don't know if we're the audience for West side story, as opposed to our parents' audience, it's not really the, it's like the senior class now, like our parents are now the older generation that aren't necessarily going to the movies as much as people are HR and, and Gen X is going to the movies and they're going to excited to see Spider-Man this weekend. I don't know if they're excited to see tender bar this weekend. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if, gen x is going to want to see west side story they don't they probably aren't too familiar with the original story they don't really care that it's a remake
1: yeah it's going to be hard for hard for a movie like that to break out uh, outside of an audience that knows it well um Mm -hmm. even with a name like spielberg attached to it i think uh, i think the the thinking that kind of went into this is that even if you aren't familiar with it you're familiar with him and that would be a big enough sell to get you to go. Um, This kind of leads me into my other, the second reason that people are talking about is that there's been just a general lack of interest in musicals in general at the box office period. Like, In the Heights is one of the best reviewed movies of the year. It has like a 93% on tomatoes. It opened to 11.5 million. It only opened like a million dollars higher than West Side Stories did. Now, the, the caveat with In the Heights is that it also premiered on HBO Max at the same time. So there could have been part of the audience that was like, we'll watch it at home and decided not to go see it in the theater. But that was another movie that like, it's a... I thought In the Heights was a bigger musical than it was, but I think it's big amongst the people who really love Lin-Manuel Miranda. And it's not on the level as like Hamilton. It's like something that theater nerds know and love. Um, But mainstream, like the thing about the musicals that have done so well in the past, like Chicago, even like Miserable, even though that's like, was deathly boring, it still made a lot of money. I think people outside of like- Swept
0: at Oscar season.
1: Yeah, and and people outside of like the theater world know it. They're familiar with it. You're familiar with like Phantom of the Opera and stuff like that. I think with something like In the Heights and I thought West Side Story had more of a legacy, like IP thing working for it, but I guess not necessarily with like younger people. And I think that's that has a lot to do with it. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: And um, I I mean, I'm sure- We're about to get into this, but the Ansel Elgort part of it as well is a little tricky. He plays the main lead um, male in that movie, and he has some sexual conduct allegations towards him in the recent past. And I think that didn't help the movie. I don't know if it hurt the movie, but I don't think it helped.
1: Right, so I was reading some stuff about this, too. Um, Variety wrote a really good piece about, like, how, basically, how the studio had to work around what they call, like, the Ansel Elgort problem. And when all this kind of came out, when the movie was supposed to come out last year, there was, like, um, the 17-year-old girl went on, like, she went on social media, put this all on Twitter, right? Um, Said that... um, I don't want to like. I think I'm gonna pull up what she, uh, she exactly said I have I, think it. I have it.
0: Uh, last year.
1: Yeah, I just want. I just want to make sure that get it right because I I am want to I, I do want to say too that this all played out on social media. This girl eventually deleted said post and hasn't come up with anything again since. Um, and then he did comment on it, comment on it the next day on his Instagram and gave a, basically implied that like, he he ghosted her and said that that was really immature and he shouldn't have done that. But like their relationship, whatever it was, was consensual and that he would never uh, assault anyone ever, basically. Um, A lot of these things with these people, especially with like uh, the stuff that comes out on social media, it plays out on these forms like Twitter and Instagram, right? There are. I mean, I am well aware that you can fake messages. You can make it seem like so and so is sending you something. Um, that was like a lot of the speculation when the whole Army Hammer thing started, because he was like, right. "It's not me. It's not me. It's not me." And then then she was like, "Well, I got voice recordings," and he was like, "That's not me." And I was like, "Well, someone's doing <laughs> a damn good Army Hammer impersonation." It's not me. <laughs> it's
0: just someone that looks like me. Um. So like, so I have the oh shit. Um. I have the exact thing here. I have it pulled up. So on June 19th, 2020, a Twitter user accused El Gore of sexually assaulting her in 2014 when she was 17 and he was 20. The quote is, I didn't think he'd ever see my DM. I was just a kid and I was a fan of him. She wrote in a since deleted statement. She was, she said that she was sobbing in pain and did not want to have sex with him. Allegedly El Al Gore had known it was her first time having sex. So that is the accusation um so i know there's no way to prove it exactly because all this happened on snapchat but um it is unfortunate that the the film is going through this and that this woman is going through this i think it's all around a bad situation
1: and i want to point out what just to give a, a better context of what he said the next day after this came out he was 27 now when this is all re emerging. And then he posted on his Instagram to explain that he did have a brief, legal, and entirely consensual relationship with the woman in question. And he ghosted her after they broke up, which, as he put it, was an immature and cruel thing to do to someone. When it came to the allegation of assault, Elgor stated that her description of events is simply not what happened. I have never and would never assault anyone. Now, this is all kind of playing out while they need to get ready. And initially, they like, he's in West Side Story, they're going to have to release it. Now, this was like, I think this all kind of happened uh, a few months before they were going to release it at the end of the year, so there was like a lot of oh, well, maybe there's time we can, like, it'll go away. And for him, it did kind of go away for a couple of reasons. The movie got delayed a year because of COVID. He basically laid low, didn't really make a fuss, and like they actually pointed out in the Variety article that um, a lot of people thought that his minimal exposure in the film's trailers was a strategic move by Disney to shift the focus from him to the others in the movie but then they started like seeing him he was on uh, live with Kelly and Ryan uh, he was on the Drew Barrymore show he presented at the American Music Awards and was involved in a dozen interviews during the global press junket he even walked the full press line in New York so that seems like okay they're like fine like he, they're, we're putting him out there but they said, you can see cracks because what's uncommon is that an actor of his stature, who's a lead in a Spielberg movie, would normally do an in-depth interview to, get, uh, for, to prepare for the release of it. They would have like a profile in one of the big like trades about him. He did not do that. All of the junkets that he's done virtually have been with one other actor. He's not by himself. Typically, they would either pair him with her, I would imagine, or he would be alone but he's been either paired with one other person or with a group. Um, So that kind of prevents you from asking him any awkward questions about it. So like, while it seems like they are putting him out in front of it, like, oh, like, it's fine. They, you can tell they're scaling him back and not really wanting to like- And
0: maybe, and maybe they should have, maybe they should have owned in on that. And maybe a publicist did want to do that. And then he said no, but maybe he should have just been completely on. Honest with his audience, and just said, you know, here's what happened. I made a mistake, and I'm laying it all out on the line here. And I want you to support my movie. I understand if you don't want to. Blah blah blah. I don't know. I'm not a publicist, but I think that maybe I think it would have really benefited the movie of him and um, what's this girl's name that's in the movie?
1: Rachel, the lead. Rachel Zegler. Yeah
0: yeah I think if they would have done press together, just like Zendaya and tom holland right. um I mean they're doing everything together they're playing games they're doing they're playing they're playing the game that you have yeah, to play yeah. when you're promoting a movie yeah and and they're they're i don't see anyone really i mean that's unfortunate
1: yeah I also want to point out too um all, he was never charged with anything. This all was on social media. Like That girl did delete her post and everything. But um, in the wake of the woman posting her original story, other women have since posted to Twitter with allegations that the actor made inappropriate overtures to them over social media when they were underage and supported those claims with screen grabs that appear to support their allegations. He never responded to those new ones. And then nothing really came out of those new ones at all. Like those girls never said anything again. And he hasn't had any of those kind of allegations against him since. Um, His professional career seems fine. Like he's doing a show on HBO Max called Tokyo Vice. Um, It doesn't seem like it's a career killing thing, but I want to point out, like, I only pulled a few of these and I'm not saying this is completely the reason why the movie might've wanted to perform, but if you're the male lead and, I mean, like musicals are seen by a lot of women, and, like, if your male lead is problematic, then it kind of leads to stuff like this. Like, one person put on Twitter, if you paid money to see West Side Story this past weekend, just realize you're a part of the problem. Hashtag Ansel Elgort. And then someone else wrote, I'm torn about West Side Story. I would love to see an updated version with the problematic aspects removed. Kudos to Spielberg and Rita Moreno for fixing those aspects. But the film's most problematic aspect is Ansel Elgort, the actor playing Tony, and he can't be removed. And then... uh someone else wrote this. anyone want to watch a movie starring a sexual predator they get more pointed as they kind of go and on. that's
0: the thing is like i i really i've said this in the past but i'm not for cancel culture yeah um and i don't think that he should be canceled although i don't think that these allegations should be brushed under the rug i think that these are ac- good accusations i think that they're um they should be looked into i think that there should be more of a process of that but um i think if he were just honest with everyone and just i don't know if he should admit guilt or what but i think that he can't just ignore it
1: right i think it's the elephant in the room seems like he tried when it first happened to come out ahead of it like when they're making the instagram post and saying that like yeah this is like it, this could easily have been a girl that he ghosted and she got pissed off and she made this up. I'm not saying she did, right. but that, that could have easily been the case, right? Um, yeah. And I mean, a, part of me thinks it was smart that he tried to get out ahead of it. Um, but I think the thought between him and his publicist, whoever, the studio, I'm sure I, I can't see Spielberg not being involved in the conversation of like, all right, this is, this is, got brought up. Like, what do we do about it? I think everyone kind of felt like this would go away. There was, like, enough time that went by that people would, like, forget. And the thing is, like, with the internet, people don't forget. People don't forget. <laughs> so, like, it's it's there. It's always there. And, like, I kind of agree with you. Maybe if he... I'm not saying that, like, you do a group interview with your cast and you bring it up. Like, you do... like Maybe you do the one-on-one interview and address it and maybe talk about how you have the support of, like, your team, the director, the studio—they believe in you. They believe in your credibility. Maybe come out like that, and maybe it doesn't seem like they're trying to just yeah. weep it under the rug. Um, I, 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 I
0: mean, I, Ben Affleck like, is talking about him his sobriety in a profile recently, and talking yeah. about how if he were still married to Jennifer Garner, he probably wouldn't still be sober.
1: Yeah, he said so he felt trapped. I don't
0: know if that's what, something you should say about the mother of your children, but he's being honest in the interview and he's right. being upfront about his feelings.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a tough thing to navigate, right? It's like, like all these, there's so much, there's so many players involved, especially, but it's not just Anzo elgor It's, it's the studio. It's the director. There's a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm sure they had to think about like, what do we do when our male lead is like at the center of this? Um, I, that was my first thought though. Like, when I rewatched the trailer again, because I was like, did they really minimize his role in it? And like the first trailer, he's in it, but it's not like he's the focus of it. A Mm -hmm. lot of the focus is on her. And she was an unknown. Like, I think if this Well, that's
0: the other thing, is they have this unknown actress playing Maria, which is great. She seems really amazing in the movie, but she's up against an actor that's known for these sexual allegations. So that doesn't really put the movie in a good position. And
1: also making it weird and problematic is that, um she's young in real life the girl playing Maria because she got this role right out of high school or maybe while she was in high school um and I think that also probably like they want people not to focus on that too like that's mm-hmm. what makes it kind of like I don't know I kind of wonder what it's like for her, like her to kind of promote it like I like I, I would love to be like flying the wall like with them being like okay like did you do this like what's going on like there's like there's a lot of things that kind of like and worked against the movie and i maybe it's not just this one thing maybe it's just not him it's not just uh, a lack of interest in musicals it's not just older people not going to the movies uh it could be a combination of all these things now Mm -hmm. one box office analyst pointed to the greatest showman right because that movie opened to 8.8 million which was around the same time in december when it came out which was considered doa at the time right The Greatest Showman has like a 57% of Ron Tomatoes, but that movie became like a big word of mouth hit. Like it went from that $8 million opening and then it just went up in subsequent weeks until it made like $173 million a year. A lot of people are comparing West Side Story. has a big cult following too. They're like, well, maybe that can happen for West Side Story. So here's why I think, while I think it will not completely crater over the holiday season, here's why I think that that success is not going to be repeated like- West Side Story made 4.1 million on its opening Friday and made like 3.8 on Saturday. When there's like a drop from Friday to Saturday, that doesn't indicate good word of mouth already. And not Mm -hmm. saying that it's bad word of mouth, that means that it's just not breaking out beyond the audience that wants to see it. Um, Right. An 8.8 million opening weekend for Greatest Showman was not that great, but this is a movie that made. $2.7 $2.7 million on the Friday. That means the rest of the weekend got significantly better. And mm-hmm. and then, like, you know, someone else pointed out that The Greatest Showman had the advantage of being something fresh and new and young. It wasn't just, like, a musical for, like, older audiences. It was huge. It had a huge radio airplay for a soundtrack. There was, like, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that went into The Greatest Showman being successful. I don't think West Side Story has that same Look,
0: yeah and if you think about it next weekend we have spider-man tender bar rico um and competing against west side story too and it's like all these movies are coming out and yeah it's the holidays people are going to be off work people are going to be with their families going to see movies so we'll just have to see but there's a lot of competition in the box office this weekend
1: yeah and even after that you got the matrix on the 22nd it like and the thing is like when all these other Mm -hmm. movies are coming out if another movie is underperforming it gives up it's its gonna
0: keep underperforming
1: yeah and it it gives up its screens because like they're like hey this movie's not doing well we're gonna like put more showings of spider-man in here we're gonna put more (laughs) yeah yeah like like why are we giving up our good screens to something that's not doing that well i mean it will be interesting to see how it does this weekend. I mean, I, Spider-Man and that have a different audience, right? It's not going to, there's not going to be so much of an overlap. It's just going to be a matter of that the younger audience just isn't responding to West Side Story. And it could happen where, like, when um, uh, one of the guys at Deadline said, like, they probably should have opened this closer to Christmas instead of this particular weekend. Because they could have taken advantage of, like, the Christmas, like, Every movie gets like usually gets a Christmas bump where it's like, you know, like the the leading up to Christmas Day, Christmas Day is a huge day, even though it's Christmas, a lot of people go to the movies. And then most movies play well until after like New Year's Day, because everyone's off work, no one's in school. And they Mm -hmm. said West Side Story would have benefited from opening closer to Christmas, not the week before Spider-Man. And I kind of I don't I don't know why they didn't do that either. Um, yeah, uh, unless they thought like, oh, let's get in ahead of the game and like gross as much as we can before you know these bigger movies come out. But it just, I don't know. Like Disney should be, I I expect them to be smarter than that though. Like I know this is like a 20th century release. It's not like a Disney movie, but like it's still like that's what they merged with. And that's what they have. Like I I would just imagine that they would have been smarter about how to put this one out there. And knowing, I mean, unless they didn't yeah. get awards attention, like it could get a bump too, because it's gonna, it's getting early awards attention already. Like I wouldn't yeah. be we get nominated for best picture at the Oscars. Um,
0: that would be interesting if it did, because that would literally prove that it's Steven Spielberg effect and not <laughs> not what everyone really wants to see. Right?
1: You know? Exactly. Um, but we'll have to wait.
0: That would prove exactly my point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Before we get into some of these nominations, I wanted to talk a little bit about. um, This is another example of a movie that the like so don't look up when it was the early screenings for it. The initial response on Twitter was like it's like one of the best movies of the year. It's so good. It's so smart. Like Leonardo DiCaprio is Oscar worthy in it because he has like this like I guess like this network level like monologue uh, in it that's similar to a famous one in the movie called Network back in the seventies there was a lot of like that attention and I keep forgetting that sometimes I'm a part of those people that get to see things early and we tend to be overly excited about certain things where it's like we forget like yeah like oh we loved it it was so good and I kind of was like all right this is a late like kind of like contender or award season good for Netflix for releasing something that might be so good and then who's directing it Uh, Adam McKay so uh oh Adam McKay yeah Um, And he's, you know, he's an acquired taste for some people. (laughs) Um, So I, they lift the review embargo and it's just not, like some people are still loving it, but right now I think it's like in the 50 something percent range, rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, The big uh, thing against it is that they think its message is very, very heavy handed. Um, There's like a big like climate change message in the movie. And then you have you know people like Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio, who are especially Leonardo DiCaprio, who is you know never been shy about you know how he feels when it comes to that particular issue. Um, right. There's a lot of pushback from it because it's this big ensemble cast, basically telling an audience that like, look at what you're doing to the world. Um, and a lot of people are saying that it's not as funny as it thinks it is, and um, overstays is welcome. That was another thing I heard. Um,
0: I'm still going to watch it. I'm I'm I, genuinely curious. I mean, I'm going to watch all of these movies we're talking about, but I'm still genuinely curious of, of how it is. I'm a big Jennifer Lawrence fan, so I'm excited to see her role. Big Jonah Hill fan. Excited to see him in something new. Um, and I think that's why some people are going to watch it because they they're not even going to know what it's about. They're just going to say, oh, you know, I'm a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan and I want to yeah, see what this is all
1: about. Yeah. Um, I do find it interesting because like we're going to get into talking about some of the these nominations like Golden Globe and Critics Choice. Um, even though Don't Look Up is getting a polarizing response from critics, it's ending up uh, getting nominated for a lot of like Critics Circle Awards, it, you know, it's has a pretty good showing at the Golden Globes, has a good showing at the Critics Choice Awards so far. Not, wouldn't be surprised if it gets Oscar nominations too. Um, now I'm speaking on this having not seen the movie and I probably shouldn't speak on it until I do, but there's a lot of like, you know, when it's a big cast like this and it's a, and they're all big name actors, like you have Leo, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Street, Kate Blanchett's in it. There's so many Timothy Chambolet who was like, you know, equal levels Tom Holland famous like when it comes to younger actors uh, they so they have all these people in it that would indicate that it's a strong movie some critics don't think so but I think a lot of people are going to think that it's getting a lot of this attention because of its star-studded cast and not necessarily because of its quality uh someone pointed out to me that Adam McKay's movie Vice was like 60% fresh and got like a best picture nomination um yeah. So it's just Adam McKay is just like a lot of people don't always love his stuff, but I mean, I think like, I'm going to say the same thing <laughs> I said that about Spielberg. <laughs> uh, is he like, is it just as bad as that though? Or, I mean, it's just.
0: I mean, yeah. it's, it's just like these big names. Adam McKay is a big name that you see at the Oscars all the time and these big award shows all the time. And it, like I said, it doesn't matter what they do. They could literally, they could literally shit on a screen and it would be nominated all because um, Christian Bale's in it or whatever. And (laughs) that's just how it is. Like, that's just the game and it's, it's unfortunate, but that's how politics work.
1: Nope, That is the, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, it kind of.
0: Thank you for not agreeing with me, but not disagreeing with
1: me. Uh, I mean, like, you're not totally wrong. I mean, like, (laughs) You know, cause like a lot, like a part of me, is just like, no, it's the talent, right? Cause you know, someone like Spielberg is talented. It's not like, it's not a hack. I and mean, like Adam McKay, I would say is not a hack either. I mean, like his stuff might be not be for everyone, but like, it's, I mean, he's still trying to write like these kind of like deeper, like, like thought provoking things. Like maybe it's a little heavy handed and it's not gonna be for everyone if you're leaning a particular way. Um, mm-hmm. But like, it's still like, I would say his stuff still gets you talking. Um,
0: yeah I'm not saying the I'm not saying that these movies are terrible I'm I'm just saying I don't I think there have been better movies that have come out this year
1: right all right well let's get into it um before we even get to what's nominated the Golden Globes here's how much like non-fanfare there was about the Golden Globes usually <laughs> I've I've covered nominations for the site this is my third year in general covering nominations for the any website, two for Joe Blow and one for another one. Usually when nominations are coming out, like I, I get like an email and text early in the morning, make sure you're up bright and early to get these out there. Cause it's important. You know, you, we want to be the first, like, you know, it's usually like five 30 in the morning, our time on the West coast. That didn't happen this year. There, there was no like, get ready for this. I didn't even know they were happening i
0: mean snoop dogg was didn't snoop dogg do the yeah, nominations it, and that
1: was its own hilarious uh short film <laughs> um so usually there's more that faces. was right there in snl
0: skit waiting
1: and to be made was, like the way he i forgot how he said he's like "Dennis villanueva <laughs> he's like what <laughs> because the guy who directed him, like he messed that up he even, didn't even say ben affleck's name right like he messed that up <laughs> um but there was like very little faces. but we love him so the nominations come out <laughs> And usually when the nominations come out, you get, like, responses from, like, the talent, like, oh, I'm so happy to be nominated. That also didn't happen this year. And there is a reason for that. Um, the Golden Globe, or actually not the Golden Globes themselves, but the Hollywood Foreign Press Association that does the Golden Globes uh, came under fire. What was funny is that they came under fire after they the last ones aired. And there were a lot of jokes made. I think it was Tina Fey that hosted, um, was she with Amy Polar last year? I think. I think it was them that posted, posted last year and she... Did they? Yeah, and she made the comment about the lack of diversity in the Hollywood foreign press. There was like a joke made and there was like a, a lot of uncomfortable laughter, but it was like in the audience, you could tell like, oh, she's not wrong. <coughs> and from there, there was just like a more of a look into like, oh yeah, there, there aren't any people of color in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association at all. So that was like, there was like a lack of diversity. And then there was the issue of their just overall conduct and standards how they were like treating certain situations that were just like inappropriate um, they weren't even trying to fix some of the issues within their system and mm-hmm. and then it just started where like all these kind of like people started pulling out like they didn't want to be associated like HBO like no we don't want we don't be associated with you either all these like all these people that they need there these studios and networks are like boycotted them tom cruise gave up his Golden Globes as a kind of like I I don't like, you know, I don't want to be associated with this either. And then finally NBC who has been the broadcast home for. Tom the- Cruise is such a martyr. <laughs> yeah. He gave up his.
0: <laughs>
1: I, can't. <laughs> You're like, I can't. He's like,
0: I'm sacrificing my nominee. <laughs> I hate him.
1: My Golden Globes. Um, and NBC decided to not broadcast it at least um, in 2022 until they actually saw that they were making significant changes. They say that they have. I mean, they say it's still a little work in progress, Um, but yeah, that's why the nominations themselves were just awkward because no one that was nominated was really celebrating, unless they were celebrating on their own. They might. They might have been. They're like, "Oh, I got nominated," but there was yeah. no like, you know. Usually, I mean, I
0: think it's cool to be nominated. I think yeah. it's it's something that a lot of people work their whole entire life. To do, and I think it should be celebrated. But I do have some stats Mm -hmm. from the Golden Globes in 2019. Okay, so it's a couple years old. But in 2019, um, that was their 77th year hosting the or having the Golden Globes. Um, at that time in history, there were only five nominated female directors, and one only one had won, and that was Barbara Streisand. Wow! Out of those five women. Only one out of the five were African-American. And that was, I can't remember. Um, So that is 385 total nominated directors in 77 years. So five out of 385 were women. One out of 385 were African-American women. (laughs) woman (laughs) one so that was just that was in 2019 and I think that I think those statistics are alarming
1: it is um and I and it's funny that it kind of it took this past year for them to like for there to be more attention on it Uh, and this
0: was also 2019 I remember being a very significant year for women because that was when Greta Gerwig did Little Women um, Maria Huller did Can You Forgive Me? Loren Scar- Scarfara- Scarfaria did Hustlers. Lulu Wang did The, the Farewell. Olivia Wilde did Book Smart. Shanawi Chukwa did Clemency. Maddie Diop did Atlantis. I mean, there's just a list. I have a list here. The movies of- were
1: well received. Like a lot of those movies were. Like- All of
0: them. Some All movies- of them were well received. Yeah. All of these movies on the list in yeah. 2019, and none of them were nominated
1: crazy i remember there was like a push like with hustlers and like you know uh, the interesting thing like usually during the war season like the hollywood reporter will like print out this like article and it's like members of the academy that they talk to uh secretly so they don't give their names but they'll say like why they didn't nominate it why they didn't nominate certain movies the big issue with hustlers that year was about the director and about jennifer lopez jennifer lopez was nominated for best supporting actors at all the major leading awards leading up to the Oscars. And then they did nominate her. And one guy was just honest. And he said like, yeah, it's good. And she's good in it, but it's not an Academy award level film, basically talking about the quality and what it's about. Like it's about stripping and it's not, and the thing is, it's not really hustlers. It wasn't even about strippers. Like it's about, it's about something much deeper than that. There is like, I like, I, I could scream.
0: Like, La La Land was literally about two people dancing around LA. Yeah, I know. I, I could actually scream. Like, yeah. that is such bullshit. Yeah, you
1: know, but it becomes like, you know, you know how like we, there's that term like Oscar bait? Like, that's yeah. what they eat up, right? They eat up like the stuff that seems to be made uh, for like Academy Awards. And, you know, that just, you know, that they feel like it wasn't. Uh, I'm looking at the best picture. So, best picture musical The comedy at the Golden Globes. Uh, there's a uh, Serrano, Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, West Side Story, Tick, Tick, Boom, and like you said, um, most of these, I, with the exception of Serrano, I have not seen, uh, and I, I can't judge that. But like, if I'm looking at the list, I want to throw my support behind Tick, Tick, Boom, just because one, it was great. Um, it'd be cool to see kind of Lin Manuel Miranda uh, take home something as well, um, but. The first thing, the first thing I said when I saw "Don't Look Up," I was like, "The Golden Globes, despite all the changes they're trying to make, still are like, we want every celebrity not even show up. They're not even going to show up. There's no where They're not broadcasting it. So I don't even know why they're like, still like catering to that kind of like dynamic. Still, but they are. Yeah. Um, and with Best Picture Drama, it's a little better, a little better here. It's Belfast, which is directed by Kenneth Branagh. There's Coda uh dune king richard and the power of the dog cool thing about the power of the dog if you haven't seen
0: coda i just need to shout out the movie coda if you haven't seen coda i cried my eyes out watching that movie i think it's a very important movie to watch it's um coda stands for children of deaf adults and it's a very powerful movie you will cry it's beautifully made
1: yeah, I, I, I just I just I need to right? shout that oh, one out. Yeah, I uh I want to definitely watch it. Power of the Dog is also uh, directed by Jane uh, Campion, so there's a she's also getting and she's nominated for best director. She's getting a lot of attention, which is cool to see. You can kind of see with some of the acting nominations in certain categories that they're like. I hate saying this, but they want to try to be like, oh, look at us, we're being like a little- I back. was just about to say with
0: Jane being nominated, I feel like it's now, it's just like a petty, like, okay, we nominated one, like,
1: okay. Yes. So like In like the best supporting actress category, there was Ariana Debo who uh, was in West Side Story. Um, so you have uh, Afro-Latina. Uh, Ruth Nega is African-American. And then uh, Agenie Ellis from King Richard Also African American. Now I'm not saying that they're not deserving. They probably they are probably. But when the thing that when when it comes off of a year where there's like, hey, fix your diversity problem, and they go like, well, look, look at what we did.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's a website that you can go to called AgeOfTheGreek.org, and they kind of break it down for you like by percentage. And it says on their website that uh, the average per women in each category this year was 2.64 out of five. which is good. It's better. Um, 52% of women over the age of 50 are included, which is also great. Underrepresented groups include Hispanic and Latino. So um, that's not good.
1: Still haven't fixed that particular problem. (laughs) Still haven't
0: fixed that. Although we are seeing them nominated, it's, it's not, it's just still not enough. Right. And now it's like too little too late for me for this award season. It's like,
1: not it's good. hard to get excited for I mean like like even looking like so look at the best performance by actor in a motion picture drama there's Mahersha Ali for Swan Song I haven't seen it I didn't even know he was even on the radar for I don't think that's out yet um and then Maybe it is. for being the Ricardos um actually the only person who is not of color are like you know of who's not a minority is Benedict Cumberbatch and if he wins, he's gonna have to just give up that award. Like, he's- uh, yeah, so but it's so it's Mahershala Ali Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos, Benedict, Cumberbatch, Benedict is uh,
0: probably like, Can I get can I see myself out of this I category
1: because uh, I can't win? Uh, Will Smith is nominated for King Richard and Denzel Washington for the Tragedy of Macbeth, which is not out yet. I know I think it some people have already seen it because it's screened in New York, but he was also nominated for a Critics' Choice Award, too. Um, so that's another one I could kind of pull up. So, but I, I looked at that category and I was like, Oh, yeah, they. They were like, here, we're going all out on that category. And, like, they even did it with some of the shows. I mean, they nominated Pose for Best Television Series Drama. Um, Squid Game got nominated for And that could be more of, like, a popularity thing, more than, like, a quality thing being nominated for that. And then, but there is, there is more, there's definitely more diversity in a lot of the categories. Not so much in Best Actor in a Motion Picture, music or Comedy. Leonardo DiCaprio, Peter Dinklage, Andrew Garfield, uh, Cooper Hoffman for Licorice Pizza, Anthony Ramos from In the Heights. Like, so he, like in that category, um, he's the only representative there. And then, yeah, there's like, I know, it's just interesting that a lot of these now are like, it seemed like they they were trying to make a statement like we're doing something a little different this year.
0: Um, It's so ridiculous
1: too. It's and like, it's
0: also, like, all white women in Best Actress or Motion Picture drama. <laughs> yeah. So all that, white that women. Which same. is so great. I think they're all deserve. deserving of it. And that's totally fine. It's just, like... It's just... I'm just at a loss for words for yeah, the Golden and, uh, Globes. Pick- I think they should just end it. Just end it here.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. The Best Performance by Actress in the Drama is the, all the names we've been hearing the entire awards season. Jessica Chastain... For The eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, The Lost Starter, Nicole Kim The Ricardos, Lady Gaga, Hasaguchi, Kristen Stewart Spencer. I think you could actually see his name is repeated on like the critics choice awards list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um it's all the same. Um, my I think I mentioned this kind of off of here. I kind of think that they they didn't have to do the golden globes this year. Like they they decided they shouldn't have. They decided that <laughs> they still wanted to hand out awards so they were like you know we want to take knowledge to work but like i think in a year where they kind of were working on themselves the hollywood foreign press they could have taken a beat for a year and be like let's come back with you know this new and improved version of the hollywood foreign press a revamp of it it's hard to be into award season as it at least with them i mean this could be the same with the academy too i think the academy has fixed a lot of those issues that kind of plagued them um, during the whole, like, like, you're so white controversy and stuff. Um, But if you're coming off of this thing with the diversity issue, the conduct issue, like issues with your standards, it's hard to be excited about the awards when it's like, it's still like, it's still all murky. Like when they're attached to like them having a particularly not so great year. Yeah, And yeah,
0: and I think, It's tough because, I mean, these people work so hard this year and they are deserving of awards and it's really exciting for like Rachel Zegler to be nominated for an award. And what if she's a one hit wonder? We'll never know. Same with Alana Haim. But um, it's just tough. It's so tough because I'm so against the Golden Globes at this point. Like, I just don't
1: care. Yeah. Um, It's so hard. It's hard because award season, I used to love it a lot. Uh, Same. I used to, and like, and I think the older I get, the more that, you know, I've I've always been told that it's all about politics. It's all about like how much ass you kiss. It's a lot of, a lot of like goes into it. And I think I always didn't want to believe that because I was like, oh no, like you, but sometimes you want to support a, a talented performer putting in a good performance. You want to support great directors putting in work. You want to see a movie that, it's really good get recognition but like it's not always getting recognition for the right reason some of them aren't um that's what's made award mm-hmm. season I think the last like four or five years for me maybe a little longer just a little it's just problematic like I used to be so excited for it and now I'm just kind of like there might be a few days where I'm like oh that'd be cool maybe if they won but like just like the politics behind it makes it hard to
0: yeah
1: to enjoy yeah it's tough um, I mean, we have to cover it because it's, you know, it's big news and it's, you know, when we, by the time we get to like the Oscars and stuff, like we'll be talking about that. Um, like I said, I feel like they've changed things up a little bit for the better and they, I know they've actually, their voting body is more diverse now. There's more women, there's more people of color. There's, they actually have a younger voting body now too. It's not like much a bunch of, as a lot of people put it, old white men do, doing a lot of the stuff in the academy. Um, yeah. Um, so that kind of is progress but i'm just trying
0: to even see where it's even i don't even know where to watch this this year because it's not on tv
1: yeah they haven't even sorted that out for the golden globes there's no (laughs) at home now i mean unless they figure out can they stream it on can they just do it online can they like i don't know I like, yeah, yeah it's like
0: no one wants it like it's like hot potato right?
1: yeah, like it's like hot potato like no one usually like when these <laughs> award like when people get nominated right you would be watching like extra or access hollywood and you would get like lady gaga early in the morning like oh i found out like at 5 30 in the morning i was so excited that did not yeah. that did not happen this year yeah just, i
0: didn't see any of
1: that they're like the people are like i think a lot of these actors like, are avoiding it like the plague they're just like cool, maybe uh, <laughs> the table with their friends are like, oh, I got a nomination. And they're like, yay. <laughs> they don't want to, like, make a big deal out of it because...
0: They're like, maybe Oscars will be nominated also. I don't
1: know. Yeah, I think, like, they kind of, like, they don't want to be like the people, like, I guess they want to be like, hey, are we all staying together on this? Do we still, do we still feel a certain kind of wave of the Golden Globes? Because I don't want to be, like, the one after this. Like, yay! <laughs> like, I'll yeah. keep quiet. you guys all keep quiet uh but yeah right it, yeah I mean we're kind of deep into award season we'll still be talking about it um, mm-hmm. um but to kind of get to the end here there um the <laughs> Spider-Man uh No Way Home is coming out this weekend I'm seeing it Thursday at three o'clock because initially all the late time showings on Thursday were all sold out by the time I. Even looks in my AMC
0: app. If there's still um, availability, maybe I'll go with you.
1: Yeah, I'll I, I take a look because there, there's um they opened up more showings too. Um, it's funny. Um, Vinny, our friend Vinny, was telling me that he's going to go see it with the third member of our team, Owen. And I was kind of mm-hmm. curious. I was like, "Oh, what seats did you get?" And Vinny was like. Well, I'm in J like seven and Owen's in C twelve. I was like, you're not even sitting together. He's like, yeah. And I gave Owen like like he doesn't have like the best seat. But it's like C twelve, you know that is like all the way in the front. <laughs> so they're not even sitting <laughs> together. That's how like packed it is. Um at the you're going to the same one as them? No, I'm going to a different time. Like I when I looked when they first put the tickets on sale. Um mm. actually I was gonna like wing it because sometimes you can wing it with these movies when they're big, you're like, yeah i'll wait till it gets closer i but was I, gonna wing it too
0: my brother <laughs> he
1: was like these like tickets are going i was like and i looked in the amc app and like every showing like for at least the theaters by us we were completely full um i know they have since added more showings though um i want I what are say- they doing
0: building more theaters
1: <laughs> no, just, they just installed more uh yeah right um i will say they lifted their review embargo yesterday um most uh I heard one publication spoiled something and I I heard it was variety and this is not a surprise. They did this with Eternals too. So if you are um wanting to be surprised, don't read their review of the movie. Um but I will say that right now it's at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um the initial first reaction is not some people have called it one of the best Marvel movies ever made, some people have called it already the best Spider-Man movie ever made, and that it is <laughs> funny emotional like all this stuff like they were surprised by how emotional and grounded the movie was. and a lot of people are saying it's a Tom holland best performance from him. Um, which is kind of cool. Uh, before we go, I wanted because this is gonna be this is gonna be the biggest movie of the year because it's not and, it's, and I think it would still be a, the biggest movie of the year even if this was a normal box office time that wasn't affected by the pandemic or whatever. Um, I kind of want to guess what it's gonna make this weekend um for context like um
0: yeah how much how much did it cost
1: so it I think it has a budget of over 200 million dollars and I want to like give you some context about huge opening weekends because a lot of people were uh comparing this to Avengers Endgame right Mm -hmm. and that movie of course was like the culmination of 20 something Marvel movies and like you know wrapping up some threads and as we go into this next phase of what Marvel is um, that was a huge movie, and it came out in 2019 before we even knew what COVID was, right? So, Endgame uh, opened to $357 million uh, during its opening weekend. That is what most movies make, a big movie, could make by the end of its run. Um, there are a lot of people that are, I don't know if they're just wild out there, they're like, they think it can give that high Spider-Man, I don't there is a lot of pent-up, like, we want to see it. I know it broke the, like, Fandago said, this is the best pre-sales they've seen since Star Wars The Force Awakens. Like, the most, like, you know, this is kind of, like, the money that they were seeing before the pandemic and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's coming out at a, at a really good time in December. That this Like, this weekend is, like, I think this is the last weekend before a lot of people either are done with school and they're starting to go on break. So it'll have the it'll be able to take advantage of that opening weekend and play very well throughout December. Um most people are predicting a $150 million opening for it. Um that is huge. Um I want to go higher though. Do <laughs> you think um, it'll
0: break the endgame record?
1: No, I think that's I think it's too high. Um that's that's really high. Um, it, it'll be hard to do that. Um, but I, I, I want to say like one ninety two hundred million opening weekend is not out of the question. Okay. And that's kind of where I'm like, I, and I, and I'm basing that on just like the, the news from like the pre-sales, like, you know, the, the already having sold out crowds. Um, I think the fact that the reviews are good will also help people that might have been like last they opened up more show times they're like oh like on the fence like let's say that you were like bummed that Eternals wasn't that good and you're like I don't, don't want to give Marvel my money um these reviews might make you change your mind um that's kind of where I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm go gonna say 90. what do you
0: what's your final what's your final guess 192. Yeah, I'm, not,
1: I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, walk, I'm not gonna walk on it I'm gonna say 200 200? 200, 200 okay million.
0: you heard it here first 200 yes <laughs> Um. Okay. I'll, I'm gonna do less than that, but I'm gonna do more than what people are predicting. I'm gonna say 162.
1: Well, that's a good like. Well, that's like an on the dot number. Like
0: not 165. Yeah. I'm playing by Price's right. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Okay. 162, and you know what? you could be right because I guess like 150 is. A, I can't believe that's that's a low end too. Um,
0: and we can also we can also get Owens and we can get owen's prediction later on and kind of have a little bet going
1: yeah that'd be kind make of, it a little interesting Make it interesting um either way you know what i think like however you feel about the oversaturation of marvel movies and stuff i i think what's coming from this spider-man movie is that um there's this level of excitement that you haven't seen at the movies in a very long time i will say probably not since in game came out in 2019 as far as the whole like uh communal experience of going to see something like this and sharing that same excitement of like you're so excited to see this like oh is Toby Maguire in it is Andrew Garfield in it are they are they gonna live up to all they're my they're all in it yeah they're probably all in it is it gonna live up to my bloated expectations like there's that um I was able to have I mean, been able to avoid spoilers but I have read stuff from people I know that won't spoil it and they were saying during their early screenings this week that the crowd was just Insane, like crazy. There were people like shouting, clapping. Some people were crying. I guess, I guess it gets pretty emotional at certain points. Um, oh my gosh! Uh, then that was the same thing that happened with Endgame. Like there was a lot of a lot of various emotions attached to it. And then and it's kind of cool to kind of as we were coming in on this year, where like you know the box office is kind of uncertain. Like like back in like I think A Quiet Place Two was the first one to really brave like a wide release as movie theaters yeah. are so, we are reopened and that movie's like 40 something million opening weekend was like huge and it's like all right people are they want to go to the movie still but to have yeah. it end on this note with this big tin pole like studio movie that's gonna make a lot of money and kind of like you know people are kind of afraid to be around it because they're like like i feel bad for the matrix i'm sure that will make money but like it's getting lost in the spider-man shop. i don't know <laughs> um but it's exciting to see um and, you know i just as a moviegoer who, i'm just
0: looking at movie tickets right now
1: yeah <laughs> you're like are they all full
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they um, should just remove it like i'm not gonna go at 10 30 in the morning but maybe yeah. i don't know
1: And well you I mean pick the good time because i think the movie's like two and a half hours so like don't want to go too late when that time yeah. you're too late <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, yeah all right so we got my two we got your 162 um we will know by the time we record on monday we'll talk about it um hopefully we either, we'll all have seen it and we'll kind of see where uh we landed on that box office prediction and we will get owens as well so he can kind of throw like i want to take his money i don't know or maybe he'll sleep we'll he'll
0: tell we'll <laughs> tell him what our predictions are to be fair so that he yeah, can
1: you yeah. don't want to like swindle our, our teammate um <laughs> um but yeah, um looking forward to it. Um once again, um it's been great talking movies. Also, it was great talking movies with just Brittany. I do like Owen on here, of course, but like I'm glad that we can like riff one-on-one. Uh, yeah, this
0: was fun. This was how we became friends. So this is like a a fun reminder of, of where it all started. <laughs> it all came
1: together. Uh yeah. and yeah, once again, we are a playlist original. You can find us on any podcast platform that you want to listen to, Apple Podcasts, uh Spotify, Google Podcasts. We also upload the videos on YouTube. Um usually oh but also cool playlist is actually taking over that for us now. Actually I'm telling Brittany this for the first time. And they're just gonna <laughs> and they're gonna start making like kind of curated like real thumbnails for our videos and stuff and kind of get those seen a little bit more. Um cool. I also want to shout out to um people who are still being leaving reviews uh someone left one a few days ago Uh, we still have five stars on Apple podcast which is cool and someone said that everyone basically I'm like shortening but everyone has like a defined role on the show and everyone sticks to that role and that's what you need to do when you're saying that you are presenting things from like three different perspectives you have to stick with it yeah you will agree on certain things at the same time that's fine but like everyone's role there is well defined. And he said, I am officially listening and subscribed. So I thought that was really
0: that's cool. awesome. I love to hear that. I that's awesome.
1: So yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm glad
0: that we all have like a place in the podcast and we all kind of we're like puzzle pieces fitting yeah. in.
1: So yeah, of course we want to hear more. So if you want to continue to rate and review, we like any and all constructive criticism, even if it's follow
0: not follow us on Instagram.
1: Yeah, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. You can find all of these things on our, uh, on our YouTube page. All of our links are attached to our Instagram and Twitter page. Um, we're, I'm loving that more and more people are discovering it. And like as I get more analytics and stuff, like it's been really cool to see. And like we're having a lot of fun doing it. And I hope you're having a lot of fun listening to it. So until yeah, next thanks, time. Thanks,
0: guys. Peace, peace out. Bye.